Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to another guest episode of this show with my guest today, Jörter Hilmarsson. Jörter is the CEO and co founder of a digital studio called 14 Islands, and he'll explain the name, the background to the name in the episode. And I invited him because I want to bring stories of different kinds of founders. And what I mean of different kinds of founders are the founders that might have a story, an ambition, a narrative that is different from what we see mostly in the media nowadays when we talk about the startup media, among the entrepreneurs on their social media and so on. And what is different with Jörter and 14 Islands, how they have built the company, is that they started this agency as the lifestyle business. And we discussed this term, how it has a negative connotation to it these days, but we all we explain what the guys meant with that when they were starting the agency. And I wanted to listen to the story and think, am I on the right path for myself? Am I aligned with the life I want to build for myself? And this is not by any means to say that having the ambition to grow a scale-up or like grow a startup that gets to a scale-up to some really global exposure with a lot of employees and so on and so forth is a wrong path to go. But I feel like that one is dominating the narrative now and robbing people of the opportunity to reflect and make an aligned choice of how they want to have their life and how does the business that they're growing is fitting into that life. So that's why we're discussing all things life and business with Yurtur, how they have created this company, how they have defined the culture and when they did it with his two co-founders, how did that definition evolve throughout the years of the company, how they have solved potential crisis, so not solved, but uh, decide, discussed the potential crisis now, in the co-founder agreement. I wanted to, to, ch- to touch on this topic because I know that many founders miss that step and it can make or break the companies. We're discussing personal development journey that is associated for Yurter with growing a company. We're discussing his personal habits and approaches and tools to use when the stressful moments of growing a company and leading a company inevitably come. So all of this is packed into this one hour. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you'll take some learnings for yourself. You'll reflect on how do you want your life and your business to align, to build one holistic, beautiful picture that feels good to you. So enjoy and see you on the other side. Arthur, warmest welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Jörter, tell us about 14 Islands and where did it start and how? Yeah, so 14 Islands is a digital agency. So we design and develop like websites and products and brands for companies, both big and small, 
and we we work quite internationally and uh, like the company started in 2011 it was like me and two other friends in stockholm that started the company together and actually the name 14 islands comes from the fact that stockholm is built on 14 islands so that's where the name comes from and basically you know when we started the company we we had been working together at another agency it was very fast paced an agency so we felt it was a little bit too much and we wanted to you know start our own agency where we would sort of have a good work life balance but also take you know the awesome work you know that we did at the previous agency and sort of uh, also take that sort of uh, ambition and implement that also ourselves yeah so it was like sort of the, those two things that was the foundation of 14 islands what is work-life balance for you? Because people have different understanding of this term and also some people are critical to this term that you're mm-hmm. never in balance. So what were you striving for? Can you give examples of the three founders? What was the picture of you that 14 Islands would fit into this picture for, for the off-life for us? Yeah, no, I kind of agree. I, th- I don't think it's a great term because I think actually I work a lot. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I do, but I think what I do is I appreciate like on off time, like there has to be on time and there has to be off time. And I think this is something we, that we experienced ourselves as like employees, you know, at different companies is that, you know, when you're an employee somewhere, like you, the, the, the company is not your whole life, you know. Maybe when you're a founder, that feels very, you know, normal to you that, you know, you just feel everyone wants to spend the whole, whole time on, you know, working for the company. But when you're an employee, it's different. So, and we like felt that ourselves as, as employees. And it's also just like about, you know, having families and spending time with your kids and having hobbies, you know, doing other things outside of works. It's just like super important overall, especially if you're doing like creative work. Like the creativity has to come some, from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like the inspiration and, you know, you have to, you have to seek different types of experiences to, you know, to have good ideas, to, you know, do your best work. Actually, you, you don't, you, you do your best work when you're feeling well and, you know, you can be in the flow and, and you're, you know, in that sort of state of mm-hmm. being happy and productive. I want to discuss this creativity part, but let's let's roll a bit more with the, the start of 14 Islands. So, what, okay, this was the, the basic or foundational idea. We want to keep getting amazing projects, do a good job, like have ambition, but at the same time do it on our terms with time for family, for hobbies, for off time, right? What did it mean in practice? What did you discuss? Did you set any kind of rules for yourself? How do we work? Um, did you write any kind of culture manifesto or anything? What what was the practical part of starting the, the agency? Yeah, it was actually kind of funny because we were like three friends in the start, basically. We we're like three developers actually working together. And, you know, for I think it was like the first six years, we were mainly just doing consulting. And it was just the three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, we started hiring people. So we've really only been an agency for like six years. Uh, so it's like... You know, there was this health life where we were just like three of us. But this was always like the core sort of idea behind what we were doing is that we wanted to, you know, actually the way we talked about it at the start was like a lifestyle business. Like we wanted to build a lifestyle business. But then we discovered when we said lifestyle business to people, they thought we were like lazy or we didn't want to work really. Like so. For our work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, 
Okay, so you basically don't want to work. That's what you meant. But that was definitely that was not our idea. Like we we were actually very ambitious, but you know, we just realized that term didn't strike, you know, the right nerve for for people. So we stopped using that. But that was the idea. And and I mean part of that is also being able to work from anywhere. I mean, we're developers, so one of the co-founders is from Brazil. So he would usually like stay in Sweden over the Swedish summer and then he would go to Brazil over the Swedish winter, which is like summer in Brazil. So he would have like summer the whole year around. And but still he was like working with us all the time from Sweden. So I mean, that was like one angle. But another just like I, I had like two kids, like um when I moved to Sweden, I, I mean he was like when I started the company, my younger son was like one and a half years old and the older one was five and a half years old sort of when we started the company and i mean i just want to spend time with them basically and in practice i mean i think you know like the funny part about it is like we were actually so very intentional about it and we actually created like a manifesto when we were just like three guys (laughs) which i think is quite unusual so we wrote like the rules of you know like we made, first of all, like an agreement between the three of us. Like, what does it mean like to have a company together? What can we expect from each other and stuff like that? And then we actually wrote this like handbook for 49 ers like how we work and stuff like that. Some people thought it was a little bit funny because like it sounded like we were a big company, but we were just like three guys. But we just really wanted to nail that sort of, you know, the values we had and, you know, the um, sort of what we were about and why we're doing this. And we just wanted to have those things in place because we had worked at so many workplaces where that was unclear. And it was just frankly very uninspiring. So we wanted to be very clear about it from the start. It's so interesting how like you mentioned several things that people maybe raise their eyebrow at, like the first like lifestyle business. It's so unfortunate that this term is now having this bad vibe to it that, okay, you're lazy, you don't really want to work. I do want to work. I want to put my best self there when I'm there. But then also for that, I need time for other things in my life, right? And maybe I just don't have the the willingness to scale this to something huge. But people don't think about those aspects of lifestyle business. They just think, oh, you want to be an influencer and just post stories on Instagram and that's it or something like this. That's That's unfortunate. So it's just first thing for me to pause and and think about like when when we hear a term and we assume something ask another question or two or three to follow up to understand what do people mean by this what just as i did with you like okay what did it mean with life or work-life balance Uh, just so that we don't assume something and then build the whole narrative in our story or in our head about what your tour is about to do with the agency but then we actually better understand so that's so one thing I would like to well, genius leaders to take and like pause and reflect on. And then the other thing, as you said, the culture manifesto, like it sounds like, oh, you're just three guys doing this thing. Why do you do this? Like, why do you play a big corporation or whatever? But that's exactly what you had in your experience that when that doesn't happen early on, you're always too busy and it's always too late later on <laughs> to make it right. So it's it's wonderful that you've done it early on when you could really internalize it and make it the DNA of their agency so that it becomes like, you don't need to discuss it later on and, or it becomes easier to onboard other people when you, when you started growing beyond the three of you, then it's like, this is what we stand for. This is what we want to live by. 
is that okay for you? Mm-hmm. And it becomes such a, uh, such a different story or let's say process whom you hire mm-hmm. because you have this in the back of, the, of your mind. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it even came, became a thing for us to attract people because mm-hmm. like, you know, they, people wanted to work with us because, you know, they knew this about us. <laughs> and yeah, and it was great. Like when we started hiring people, like we, we never had needed to have a lot of discussions about this because it was always like, it was, it had become such a core piece of who we are, who we were. Like it, it was obviously something we explained to new, new employees, but it's something we never had to, you know, question between the three of us. Like, mm-hmm. what are we about? Or, you know, why are we here? Or all of these questions. Like we, we had a really good, you know, compelling story about that. And that helped us hire actually really, really good people at the start, which is like a core piece of having a good agency. It's like mm-hmm. having a really good team. It's, it's kind of all about people, really, like, mm-hmm. in the end. Mm-hmm. Has it, uh, the, the manifesto, let's call it like this, I don't know what you call it internally, yeah. but uh, has it evolved anyhow, or do you feel like that it's still pretty much the same as it was originally? I, I, it's definitely evolved. <laughs> like, first, like, just to give an example, it's like, uh, we were like three developers, so we were very, like, we were like, like wanted like minimize meetings as much as possible. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of a tech developer technical mindset. You know, it's like you know we can solve this. We can just have online chat and stuff. But when we started, then we started doing designs. We got actually like uh, really good designers. What we realized is like this is not like a good rule anymore because design is so much about talking and you know throwing out the ideas out there. You know, exploring different areas and things like that. So uh, then that sort of whole premise changed. So there, there have been a lot of, you know, these types of developments, basically, you mm-hmm. know, from, from the start, but, you know, but the values are still there, you know, the values are the same, the whole, like, the concept is quite similar, you know, from it used to be at the start. So, okay. yeah. And what are the values? Do you have those kind of statements or words that are like the, the short list or the, uh, that people can, or supposed to be able to say when they're woken up in the middle of the night? No, and we're not that strict about it, honestly. Like, we're not like, we don't enforce the values like that. We try to just to enforce it on a day-to-day basis, like, in how we behave and act. And I think, like, people have internalized sort of what those values are. I mean, the first one is, for example, like, put people first. That's a very important, that's both applies to how we treat our employees, but it also applies to our work because, you know, because we are building products and stuff, you know, we want to build those products for people, like for humans, like human, like the technology comes second, you know, the human aspect is always first. Mm-hmm. So that's like a key thing. And another one is like, yeah, we just like diversity, like we respect everyone as they come, you know, another is like playfulness, having fun at work, uh, creating experiences that are like joyful to use. Yeah, craftsmanship, uh, things like that. So those are type, the type of, of values that we have. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So yeah. we discussed before we started recording that you're 14 now. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious whether you'll ever hire more people while you stay at 14. Yeah, yeah, 14 yeah. No, 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 no. We, we like that. It's not a, it's kind of convincing that, that we're actually 14, but uh, right now. Mm-hmm. So, but we've gone, you know, we've been more and we've been less. So uh, yeah, but that's where we are right now. It's actually quite a good size, though. It's like very manageable. Um, so, yeah, it's a coincidence. <laughs> we, we might be, become more people. So later. how was it uh, like this mm. journey from being three co-founders? Uh, maybe tell us the experience about the first employee. 
Yeah. And then also, like, did you feel like between this three and then whatever was the maximum number and now 14, mm-hmm. have there been different stages where you felt like, oh, this is kind of a breaking point. We need to start thinking about this processes-wise, mm-hmm. tools-wise, role-wise, definitions, whatever it is. So what was the journey there? Yeah, definitely. So like I told you before, like it was like sort of six years in where we hired the first person, which was a developer. It was a a woman sort of that that was a junior sort of developer that was eager to work with us. And because she, she was like just fresh out of school, I wanted to learn more and, and things like that. So she came and she was very already skilled at that time. So she was like our first employee. And it was like great actually to have another person and like it felt great to get uh, like a fresh perspective from the outside in. And yeah, she did fantastic work and uh, yeah, it worked really well uh, from the start. And and then sort of what we felt soon after that is like we wanted to, to be able to do more because like doing only development is a little bit like limited. Like we wanted to be able to help clients from like start to finish, like to take let's say a company like a startup or something like to be able to help them to do the brand, to do the design, to do the, you know, build, to do the whole process basically. So then we started to do hire designers and we got like super lucky to get like two, two other women actually, which are, are still with us today. So, and like is Aline, who's our creative director and Sarah, who's our like UX lead. And they are sort of managing the, the design team, like that part of the business, like making sure that design are up to quality. And, and so that whole experience has been just like super great. Uh, we got really lucky. It's very important, like at the beginning that you get really good employees because those employees kind of set the standard from, for what to cook, what to come. And I think, yeah. And then the team has sort of grown, grown since then. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I answered your question. <laughs> you started at least. Um, yeah. I'm thinking you said that with the first employee, it was good to get an outsider perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that didn't really affect the culture a lot then. But then you said earlier that when the designers came, you, mm. you reviewed, for example, the rule for the oh, minimizing yeah, the meetings and so on. But were there any other changes in the processes? Yeah, I, I think like, first of all, when we were like six people or seven people, no, oh, sorry, six people. Like one thing we felt like we had somehow like all been running the company together, the three of us founders, but then we've, it was like started to be very unmanageable. And I actually personally felt like somebody had to step up and take the sort of the lead on like the business side of things. So I kind of took on that role, like in agreement, obviously with the other co-founders. So that's sort of where my role started to shift a bit and doing, becoming more like, a, I guess you can say like the leader. In a way, but it's like also just handling the business side, you know, the operations, the sales and stuff like that. Like somebody had to take a lead on that. And just like, because it's so hard, like you, it's at some point it becomes very hard, becomes very hard for like three people to be running a company. <laughs> like there, there has to be a clear like roles and stuff. And yeah, that was like an early learning, you know, and as we grow, like the more, like the more clear roles, roles we can have, the better. Like it's not like, or at least like responsibilities, like clear responsibilities is super important. And the processes are like ever evolving. I mean, we, I mean, we're, it's a Swedish company and the foundation, we, it's a flat structure. Everyone is sort of equal, you know, you know, for, for on a personal level, but, but at the same time, we have like very defined responsibilities between everyone. And I think that's, 
that's just really important to be like productive and nimble and uh, yeah. So that's sort of, yeah. But our processes in general, like we, I think we're just like, we use Slack a lot. Like that's at the heart of our business. Like we, all the communications go on Slack, uh, go, go on on Slack, especially like since we're a distributed company, like we're a remote sort of first company. So that runs through Slack. We use Notion for, you know, all documentation and structure and things like that. And, you know, so we have a lot of tools and stuff also to help us to keep us organized, um, to track hours, to plan forward. We have, you know, Google Sheets and everything for the business. So, yeah, in terms of structure and processes, uh, we are like big believers in that. So, and we try to keep things as small as possible. And at the same, not stay in the way of just us doing great work because mm-hmm. that's always like the core sort of purpose of what everything we do is to do really good work. It's a bit of a tricky balance there to, yeah. to have enough structure to actually have, as we discussed, space for uh, creativity that doesn't become chaotic, right? But then like doesn't become either too much so that the, the creativity is suffocated. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great that you're managing to strike the balance for, for your current stage um, yeah. in the agency. Tell us a bit about the, with the growth, did mm. you feel like this lifestyle foundation was somehow shaken anytime that you felt like, okay, now I have more responsibility, especially when you took on the CEO role. Did you feel like, okay, now I think about work more when I'm at home with the family because I have paychecks coming uh, or did anything shift there or did you manage to maintain that as the red thread unshakable throughout all the years no definitely not okay <laughs> no i mean i the way i see it is actually like uh growing a company is uh, like a personal development project like really it, it really is that you know and i've done a lot to work with that like i you know i do meditation you know i go to the gym it's you know it's um it's a constant sort of work in progress on a personal level actually my wife would be the first to tell you like it's sometimes been difficult you know there have been times where you know it's overwhelming or it's like too much responsibility you know and but i think you know actually what has helped me is also to have a good co-founder like my two co-founders they are just very like trustworthy, solid guys, you know, very good people, you know, they, we support each other, you know, they're, they're smart, you know, if I'm feeling down, you know, someone else is feeling up. So I personally, I would probably find it a bit hard to start and do this on my own. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's also a part of it. I'm personally a, a team player. Uh, I like being on a team. I like working with other people. So I think that's sort of what saves you mentally in the end of the day. It's like having someone to ball with, you know, to, you know, yeah. You get energy from other people, right? I found that actually slightly, like I moved back to Iceland two years ago and that has been a slight, I mean, we went through COVID obviously. And and I think that's like one piece of working from home that it sometimes can be a little bit difficult. It's like, it's like feeding off that energy of being with people and, you know, that, that can be really good. And when you're, you know, working remotely or working at home, it, it can get isolated somehow. And you just have to be aware of it somehow. You have to know yourself well enough to spot it. Maybe even reach out to someone like, hey, like, I need to talk about th- this and have a meeting about feelings, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, which is, yeah. but I also have a, you know, 
I just like have a good wife also, good, you know, family overall. And I mean, all of these things help a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm very like big believer in you cannot really do anything big on your own. And yeah, you need people, good people around you to, to, yeah, sustain through the troubles of running a company. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, we are like a bootstrapped, bootstrapped company. So we, we, we started with our own money. We built it from there. And, and yeah, we've luckily been profitable most of the time. So yeah, it's been good, but it's sometimes it can be overwhelming and then it's good to have someone to bowl with and yeah, to talk about things. I guess your wife is not in the self-employment or how is that? Actually, funny to say, she just started to like, she just became self-employed. Okay. <laughs> so she's an architect. And so she is now working on by on her by herself, but she also have has partners that she's working with. Yeah, and it's actually been a fun experience because now I'm able to help her a little bit, like get started. And it's like especially with you know operations like taxes and mm. you know those types of like boring the boring things of mm -hmm. starting a business. I, I think I've been able to help her a little bit there. You know, I mean she's a fantastic architect, but I can help her with you know mm. other things. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking because. Like my, my husband, he's super supportive, very empathetic, and uh, also can call me out on my bullshit. So like yeah. this perfect balance there, but it's still sometimes difficult for him to get some things, right? Aspect, aspects of trying to build something on your own. Even though he's in research, it's a bit of like being on your own. Like you're employed, so there you, you like have less stress with a paycheck, for example, uh, or like Yeah, getting the clients to 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 be, get paid in the end of the month, but he has to decide what he does with his research and and those kind of things. So a lot of things he can get, but there are aspects that it's just difficult for him to understand. And that's why I'm trying to separate what I discuss with Grisha. It's more my my personal mm -hmm. uh, journey through with the business, but then I'll have the business like I have a small mastermind so two other business owners. We understand each other. So there I bring the business aspects of, of my concerns. Yeah. And that's why I asked you about your wife, because like it's it's amazing that you have the co-founders with whom it works. Yeah. And then it's like it's working at home as well. But then like I wanted to check with you or like ask whether you have this separation of what do I discuss with my wife, what do I discuss with my co-founders? Maybe something I discuss with some third party even. Yeah, I think I do probably like unconsciously. I, I probably do, you know. I I'm not not gonna like just like <laughs> throw my whole business on her. Like it, it wouldn't be fair, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's more like these just like general discussions about, you know, life and how I feel and, and you know, our plans. I mean, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I try to keep it a little bit abstract, like not overwhelm her with the, all the details of, of my work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, luckily it works for you with mm -hmm. the co-founders that you have. Um, yeah. Dynamic is really functioning you're all still there in the business did you set any co-founder agreement and if yes then at what stage discussing the equity discussing what happens if someone decides to leave or yeah. something happens to one of you and things like that yeah we did that at the very start so in our agreement there is like there is a clause about like if somebody leaves the business you know then you know the other partners can sort of buy that person out you know like if he is away for I think it's like six months or something, then the other people can buy him out for, you know, uh, the X month of equity. There is, there is, you know, we have that clause. So 
Yeah, there is something like that. I'm asking that because I know a lot of uh, startups don't think about that in the beginning mm. at all. And that can become uh, a big issue. And mm. uh, like I, I have uh, a person, a uh, very experienced uh, Icelandic uh, entrepreneur who last week said in a meeting that this is number one killer. The oh, really? Uh, mm. I don't know whether that's a statistics or just uh, their personal uh, experience somehow, but mm. that's why I wanted to ask, how was the discussion? It's amazing that you had it from early on when you were still kind of in the honeymoon period, like, <laughs> yeah. okay, like being happy, you're creating something <laughs> on your own terms and things like that. But like, what, was there any tension or did you just take a clause from some template how was that discussion about the worst yeah. case scenarios? Yeah, no, we actually had a company come in and help us. So like from like at the very start, we only did like an agreement between us, you know, was not very detailed sort mm -hmm. of. But then later on, I can't remember exactly when, but there was some point, you know, where we where we also were inviting more other partners into the business. Like because these two women that I mentioned, mm -hmm. they're, they're designers, like they... We wanted to give them sort of, uh, part, uh, like bring them in mm -hmm. to, to the business. So, and that was the point where we sort of, yeah, made it more sort of in writing, like legal writing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was actually a big process. It was actually quite a big project to, to you know, get everything, all of that in place. But it's, I think it's also, it's worth it, you know, in the long run to make sure, you know, just make it clear where everyone is on the same page. There's even like clauses about like, if someone dies or if someone, you know, gets divorced and it's like super boring things that you really don't want to talk about, but it's kind of good that it's written somewhere, you know, it's like there is this thing somewhere that, you know, there's this like fallback, you know, if things go worse way. But luckily everything has gone well so far. So yeah, so far so good. Do you feel that yeah. those conversations have, uh, I don't know, changed something? Maybe they brought you even closer because you understood how much you're on the same page with each other? discussing those worst case scenarios or maybe there was some tension when there was some kind of do you really think that and I, like mm. i don't know how how was the the emotional part or relational part oh, of yeah. that process i think what we've been able to do so far is like we've been able to fight like we have fights like not only about this we like about just stuff like how to do things but they don't we always end with making a decision like there we never leave each other just like hanging like in frustration like we usually try to, you know, we've never had the case where we're just like, how do you say it in English? Like Clash, stone to stone yeah. or, you know, mm -hmm. just like not able to agree in the end. But it's usually like one of the person is like more passionate about something than, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it's fine. Like you get to decide this one. Or it's just like, it's more of like my responsibility to decide something than I get to choose. You know, it's like. We've been able somehow to navigate that balance. I, I can't describe it, but mm. yeah. So it, com it comes naturally to you guys. It's not about like, okay, this is the framework we're using or the structure that we have for the conversations like this. No, it's on a, no, it's always been on a personal level. But, you know, at the same time, it's good to have things in writing. If, you know, there is this like always big if, you know, mm. uh, if things don't go as we hoped, then, you know, we at least have that contract and we can fall back to that. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened yet, which is good, but yeah. I think that discussion was quite good. You know, it was like a very open, wounded sort of important discussion that we had. And yeah, we got through it. So, which is a good thing. Mm. So let's talk about this like space for creativity. You said like, especially because we're, we're doing some creative job or work, mm. it's important for us to, uh, to have that space, right? Uh, 
to come up with ideas and so on. So how do you nurture that within your agency? So for yourself as the co-founder, but also for the employees in the project? Yeah, I mean, we actually invest quite heavily in, you know, creating good experiences for for our employees. Like we've done that throughout the years. You know, we, like just like last year, we went to, for example, that was like, so we, we set aside like, uh, budget for 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 you know traveling and doing stuff like that, and obviously through COVID we couldn't travel. So after COVID we had a good budget in place. So we actually took the whole company to Brazil, for example. So I mean that's a big investment, and we did a lot of like big team building and you know just like fun around that trip sort of. Obviously, and like everyone was like super happy about that. Obviously, it was super fun, great experience for everyone, and you just like feel revived when you come back from that trip. Uh, you feel energized, like you feel like you want to do some awesome work. So that's an, like an example. I think also just like generally, like just like talking to people, like we have like this two times per year, like we have in, in March, we talk, we have this like yearly review where we talk, that's kind of all kind like 360 kind of review of everything, how things are going. I mean, talk about salaries, talk about different things. But then we also have this like craft interview in August where we talk about, you know, how are you evolving as a, as a talent, as a craft, you know, as a designer, as a developer. I think that helps a lot also just to have that constant conversation, like people are growing because when people are growing, they, they are, you know, happy also, you know, and, and one part of it just to continue is that, I mean, another thing is that, I mean, we're, we're like creative studio. We're not that like a huge company and, but we are competing with very big companies for talent. You know, we, for example, in Stockholm, I mean, we have Spotify there. We have Klarna. We have a big, big attractive companies that are like paying big salaries and, you know, they have a lot of nice, nice things in place, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we've been competing with these companies for talent. So we need to stand out, you know. So that's why also why we think it's important to invest in people, invest in talent. To be more personal, to, you know, go on these trips that are, you know, to do different things. Mm-hmm. We have like a health budget, you know, to support people to go to the gym and do stuff like that. We obviously parental leave. Yeah. 30 days of vacation every year. You know, we, we, we offer these things instead. Yeah. What about the day on a daily basis? I'm just thinking. With the success comes sometimes extra responsibility that you, mm-hmm. for example, maybe have a lot of projects suddenly. Yeah. First of all, how does that go? Like those decisions go together with a lifestyle focus. Mm-hmm. So do you sometimes say no, even if it's an amazing client because the, it's just too much for your employees to handle? Or what's going on there? Do you have a discussion with employees whether they are ready to go a bit like with a you know, higher gear for a period of time for this project to fit in. How is that happening, the discussion? And then the continuation of that question is the space for creativity when it becomes a bit more heated and, and so on. Like, how do you make sure that employees feel well, that they rest well, and they have that space to just, you know, maybe stare at the window, through the window at the sky uh, for half an hour just so that they can kind of tap into that creativity? Yeah. Oh, I think, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a hard question. No, I mean, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I mean, so we have a couple of ways. Like, I think like there is like this common agreement in within the company. Like if we, if there is a deadline and we have to reach it, 
like everyone is okay to do hard work for uh, like a limited period of time. Like we think that's okay. Like if you have a big deadline, like on Friday, like it's fine that we like, you know, work a bit like extra, you know, during that week, just like to get that done. Like we, we, I mean, we're all about doing great work. We are all ambitious people, but at the same time it's a balance because it's also about just like not, you know, overloading people with work, you know? So that has definitely caused us to, you know, be more cautious to uh, maybe not say no to work, but at least like try to stretch the timelines. Uh, sometimes we get, we actually have like a network of freelancers that uh, help us. So yeah, we, so sometimes we employ freelancers to, to help out when, when we can see that our team cannot handle it. So there are like different ways sort of to Im- mitigate that. And I think I I can yeah honestly say it has gone well like so far. I don't think we've ever just like been like burning for the midnight oil for an extended period of time. I think that has actually never happened because we have so proactively tried to avoid it. So yeah, that's cool. What are the struggles? You're looking back at all these years now. What have been the kind of the toughest, the darkest moments? You know, when you feel like you get an email or something happens and you're like, okay, this is it for 14 islands. Have there <laughs> been moments like that? Or moments? Yeah. I mean, there have definitely been very, really tough, tough periods of time. You know, I think like the, actually the beginning, I, and I think this is true for many companies. I mean, it's kind of like the, the beginning years are often the hardest one, you know, that it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of this weird thing. It's the time you miss sometimes because it's like this romantic period that you had, you know, it's uh, but also it was the hardest. And I mean, we, you know, so I actually, I mean, it was a sacrifice. I said, it started the company. Like uh, we had to pay ourselves like low, lower salaries at the start. We wanted to build up this like foundation. And that was sometimes hard. Like there were, there were periods where I actually questioned, like, it was this good decision. Like, was this, was this the right move actually to start the company? And why, like, why am I not just working for, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, uh, pretty okay as developer, like, you know, especially during, you know, those years, it was like so much demand for developers, like could have had like big salaries somewhere else. And there came, came times where it was like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, why am I going through this? You know, you know, you know, and there were like, especially when you struggle, you know, like there, there were a couple of periods where we sort of, you know, where we had like downtime, you know, we didn't have work and you always get a little bit stressed, you know, it's like, oh my God, like what happens if we don't, you know, if there, we don't land the client, like there isn't going to be, you know, work for us. And, but then obviously you could like, so fall, fall back to that idea that you actually have like a valuable skill, like you're a developer, but th- those were tough periods, you know, often, you know, and just like those beginning years where you're like, you know, you could be doing better somewhere else, but you're kind of doing this because, you know, out of passion, you want to do it, but you know, that passion get challenged mm-hmm. a lot, you know, in many forms. For example, yeah, I mean, when you don't land a client at one, you know, it's like when the work is not maybe just like rewarding, uh, you you know, sometimes as a consultant, you know, you you just have to do work that you you don't love, (laughs) you know, like, especially in those beginning years, we were doing consulting and, you know, we were like part of bigger teams. We maybe, you know, we're, we're part of big meetings where, you know, things moved slowly, you know, we wanted to make, you know, so all kinds of situations where you're like, yeah, but, uh, what kept you, kept you going through those periods? 
I think just like the overall the passion for what we do, you know, just, uh, yeah. And also just working with really like talented people. Like I think just being, since we were able to establish a really good team is like, you know, you know, we kind of feed off each other. Like it's people we want to work together. We like each other's, you know, mm-hmm. company. Like we, we're passionate about the work we're doing. Like we, we've done a lot of amazing things, I think, together that we're really proud of. We want to continue to push for that. We want to continue to get better and, you know, to constantly evolve. So yeah, I think that, that keeps us going. And also, I mean, clients overall, super happy, you know, we just feel sometimes we really help our clients, you know. So yeah, and that's a great feeling, you know, that's rewarding and that makes you, keeps you going. Kind of. You said earlier that growing a company is a personal development journey. Yeah. So how have you grown through the journey of 14 Islands so far? Wow, wow, in so many ways. <laughs> it's like kind of, I actually kind of realized it because I was like helping my, my wife, like starting her business. I was like, okay, I'm actually, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I know what I'm doing, you know. It's like how to think about this. And, but I mean, we started this company as a developers. Like, we didn't know much about, like, I did, I did one year at like my university. I took like a, a business sort of a year. Mm-hmm. At a university with, with, which did help a lot. But at the same time, I didn't know much about like running a company or running a business. And, and, and I think the three of us were quite oblivious about that at the start. Like we were just like three developers. We loved code. We loved to create cool websites and products and stuff, but we didn't know much about running a business. Like there was, yeah, we didn't have any like goals or, you know, we, we just wanted to cool stuff. Basically, like, well, that was the ambition. So, and I mean, the, and now like what we have now is, is a more like sort of, you know, structured company with procedures and, you know, sales and marketing and, you know, these like import, like there are these, there are these just like parts of the business that are now we realize how important they are, like to constantly, you know, do some, do marketing, you know, stay active on social media, you know, stay in con, stay in touch with clients, stay in touch with people. Yeah, just like that overall sort of, yeah, just being out there, you know, talking to people, you know, when we started, we kind of wanted to close us down and just like do coding. Mm. It's pretty much, you know, but, you know, communication, like talking to like, just like overall, Mm. you know, staying in touch and, Mm. you know, talking to people and that's how things happen. So it's been a constant learning experience um, in so many ways. And also on the design technology front, front, you know, just think about how technology has evolved since we started in 2011. It's kind of crazy. I mean, now we're diving deep into like AI is a big thing now, you know, uh, like generative AI, XR, which is like, you know, Apple Vision Pro and these types of technologies is like a big part of what we're, you know, exploring and learning now. Web3 was a big thing at least a year ago. It's kind of coming back a little bit now. So, you know, just all these, like, it's like this business, like this industry, like both design and technology is like constantly evolving. Like it's, it never stops. It's like a train that is going like at full speed, you know, it's, um, yeah. So you, you just like, you, you can never relax basically. Is it inspiring you and giving you energy or sometimes it's like, Oh, come on guys. I just want to stay in my comfort zone. <laughs> I, I think the tech side of things inspires me because I'm, I'm a geek, you know, I just love technology and uh, that constantly keeps me inspired. But there are other things that I'm sometimes just like, Oh, you know, it's just like, 
yeah, just like just when you learn a tool or when you learn, uh, you know, uh, technology or uh, uh, yeah, like when you get good at some tools set or something, like there is something new and better that you have to adapt and evolve. And yeah, I mean, I definitely, yeah, sometimes it's a bit too much, but, uh, but yeah, but it's also like, it's a very like being in the creative agency. It's kind of our business to be stay on front. Like if we're not doing that, we are not really doing our job. Mm. Uh, so, and maybe one thing I should also mention is something we did for, we done for many years is like we have this concept of hack Fridays. Mm-hmm. So we take time on Fridays to do something. So everyone gets time to do something that inspires them. So that's one thing we have in place too. Because people also need time to work on. To play. Yeah, to play, to work on the craft. And, mm-hmm. and we've done, we've, if you have followed 49s, you've seen we do a lot of side projects and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that often is formed out of those Fridays where people get to play by themselves and mm-hmm. come up with, you know, interesting things. So, mm-hmm. so you were said you're, you're a developer and a geek, but then you took more the operational leadership mm-hmm. role. Do you get to code still or are you completely detached from that? Yeah, I'm completely detached from coding, but I think what I got instead was like the design side of things because now I'm kind of the intermediate between the, the like design and tech in our company. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we all talk to each other, but I'm sort of like sort of managing that sort of pa- packaging that service, service and you're talking to our designers and developers and figuring out sort of just every time we do an offer for a product or mm-hmm. something like that, we it's a constant conversation about like what's, you know, how do we attack this projects how do we you know so i really much enjoy that like that inter sort of that play between design and development i I get to sort of live a lot in that space you know where we where i get to sort of work with people doing both these things Mm -hmm. i i I kind of i really like that you know i think when you bring design and technology together you can do some really cool things and I mean, good example of that is like company like Apple, like they are really good at integrating the tech and design. And when you do that well, you can do really, you know, amazing things. And that's kind of the core of who we are also at 49. is like that tight integration of design and tech. You know, I, I love to live in, in that space, work in that space. That kind of keeps me going a little bit. You mentioned that you, you are ambitious to make excellent work and... Uh, that has been proven or confirmed by outside because you're you're winning awards. I don't know whether it's every year, that, but I see quite a lot of updates uh, on LinkedIn about the uh, the acknowledgement that you're receiving for your work. How did that happen? How did you get on the on that track of uh, getting awards? Is it something that you apply for? Is it some something that people nominate you for, like your clients? Like if if people are listening and they they have a a company and they would like to get that recognition if possible. What is that world? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting world. <laughs> it's like this like side world somehow. But uh, I mean, I think for the first years, like probably for the first eight years, we didn't we didn't even apply. For, like we didn't even think about those. And I was almost like a little bit against it. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was like I felt it was like kind of a show off or you know something that. You know, it was like, we're passionate about like making great experiences for users. Like that's our core mission. Like we, we, we're not about these like fancy awards shows and blah, 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 that stuff. So that was actually a belief that I held myself 
But then we kind of realized that it, it is imp- like for the type of uh, work we wanted to attract, it was quite important to get to that level, like where, where we are. And we were already, already doing really, really good work. Like why not use that as a, like leverage to, you know, get more great work? Because actually these awards, some of them at least, they, they give a really good exposure to the world, especially since we have like this international focus, like winning international awards. It, awards is is very helpful. Like it brings a lot of attention, you know, to us. You know, we get noticed uh, through those awards. So then we it actually we integrated sort of as part of our just ongoing marketing efforts to, you know, when we have a a new product or website or something, like we evaluate like is it it does it have stand a chance to win these award, like awards? And we sort of have like there are like three like sort of awards that we always apply for almost like there's like ongoing and then there are some of these like bigger like yearly awards that we then you know so you know it's like part of our process Mm -hmm. because we've realized then that it it brings a lot of attention and uh yeah we i mean we often get uh clients uh, potential clients reaching out but like hey uh, we saw you won this awards for this project we thought it was an awesome project so so it's it's part of our marketing efforts basically but it's also, it's a little bit dangerous in a way because you cannot get caught up in that. Like mm-hmm. if you, if the, if you start doing work with the goal of winning awards, it's maybe not, you know, the best mindset to have mm-hmm. when you, for like the, the, the work should be about, you know, for the people actually using the product or website, not for, you know, the awards, but that's a nice side effect. Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you think about that? Like, okay, now we're we on a slippery slope. Like we're thinking mm. about the red dot of work instead <laughs> of people. So like, yeah. how do you catch yourself on that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it's just something we've always kept in mind. But um, yeah, I just think we just try in general just to keep ourselves like, humble and, you know, just keep ourselves focused on what is important. Like mm-hmm. in general, I think we try to do that, you know. But uh, I mean, we celebrate each awards that we win. It's a fun thing for the team. And that's another like great side effects of these awards. It's just like, it's reinforcing for the team, like to get like outside, you know, sort recognition, of yeah. recognition. It's a really like motivating for the team, you know, just being a part of that group of people that is producing something that is winning like international awards. Like it is just a fun thing to be a part of, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. But, uh, but we also sell like, just like in general, we, we talk also, we, we always talk about like, if the client was happy, like we try to, you know, we figure that out. Like that's maybe the most important. Like then we look at, you know, what was the outcome of that project? The, and then we talk about awards too. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, part it's, of a, balance. The, uh, it's a part of the yeah. package. Mm-hmm. I think the last question mm-hmm. I want to ask you, and maybe we can go into some other topics if you feel like we've missed something, but this thought of or not the thought but the challenge that many entrepreneurs have of self-identifying with their businesses mm. so that whatever failure or success comes to the business the founder feels that that's their personal self-worth attached to it and it's their personal success or failure do you have any experience with that or how do you deal to prevent that maybe it comes naturally but maybe there are some things yeah, I don't know. Like, I actually probably feel a little bit attached to my business. Like, it, it, in a way, it's my baby. In a way, like we started together, so 
I think I'm definitely attached. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, attachment is healthy. Uh, yeah. can can be healthy, of course. When yeah. you're growing it, you yeah. are passionate. You yeah, like you've put mm. your heart into it. But especially in the tough moments, if, if maybe you can reflect on that. Just pick in your mind one tough moment mm. and think: What did you make that tough moment for for Teen Islands mean for yourself personally? Because that will be an indicator how healthy or unhealthy your attachment is. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, almost if we go back to this work-life balance, I think this is where, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling like bad or like you're just like, you feel you're somehow losing touch of who you are or, you know, just like getting lost in this, in the, you know, you know, let's say uh, we don't win a project or something. Like it's like easy. It's easy to go like attack yourself personally. Like, was it me? Like, should like did I do something wrong? Like, you know, like we sometimes we get like opportunities to work with like really amazing companies and we don't win it because I mean we're part of four other agencies that are fighting for that project. And then I mean sometimes it, I I take it personally. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should have you said this, done this, or whatever, you know. But I think that's actually when you need to log off kind yeah. of from work a little bit and just do something else. And that's where the work-life balance is also important. You know, you just have to sometimes, you ha- you need your time off. Uh, you need to log off and just like do something else, like go skiing or you know, just like to go to the gym, you know, talk to your family or, you know. I think that's sort of the antidote to this issue, or at least it has been for me. But it's definitely a challenge sometimes not to be too attached to, to the outcome of what you're doing. Yeah. But it's a brilliant advice. Like when you, if you catch yourself on that, mm. first of all, of course, you need to have the self-awareness <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to catch yourself like, oh, actually mm. I'm telling myself negative stories right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then having this discipline of like, mm. okay, it's time to go off and go to gym. Mm. Like, has it always been like that for you? Or, or was it again, one thing that you had to work on, nurture, develop? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a part of what like we've I've developed sort of. I've always been a little bit about the like, also been about habits like I mm-hmm. like going to the gym regularly I mean I used to play basketball which was regular and so now I'm I, I go to the gym regularly you know meditate regularly it's good to have those kind of things to sort of constantly keep you sort of uh, in align with yourself your life what you want to do yeah so I think I've always been a believer in that I think that helps but then also just like yeah but sometimes you just need a time off you know you need to go on a trip somewhere, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, or read a book or, you know, just like change your angle, like change your, you know, you need to get perspectives. Like if you're getting lost in your own mind, your own perspective, like it's good to seek broader perspectives mm-hmm. and experiences. Yeah. Break that pattern because it's not helping no, at all. It doesn't. What is meditation to you? How do you do it, and, uh, and how do you do yeah? It? I started that in Stockholm, so I'm part of. Uh, there is this like sort of uh, meditation that uh, me and my wife do on a regular basis. Yeah, it's just it's actually it's a lot about detachment. Actually, that meditation it's a, it's a lot about just like separating yourself from your thoughts and your belongings and you know your kids or your family or you know. It's like separating yourself from all these attachments that, that hold us back sometimes, you know, mm. like you, you we, sometimes we don't feel free. You know, we're always bound to so many things and we have so many roles. So 
it's about, you know, at least for that brief moment, sort of cut from all these attachments and yeah, sort of think freely. For and when you detach moment. from everything like that, what is left? Who are you or what are you in that moment? Okay, so this could get very philosophical, but you're kind of nothing, you know, there is nothing, you know, if you really detach, you know, it's just like, uh, it's like, sometimes you like during the meditation, you get this very, okay, like very subtle though, it's like you get this feeling of nothingness. And that's actually the best possible feeling when you're just like, that's when you're free, <laughs> you know, but yeah, now we're getting quite philosophical, but yeah. Yeah. My show, I, <laughs> I decide where we can go. Can <laughs> yeah, go. exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great a place to be when you can just like totally sort of, at least for a brief moment, become like totally free from attachment and all these burdens that we sometimes put on ourselves, but also sometimes the world puts on us. So it's, it's, it's good to take a break from that mm-hmm. from time to time. So is some kind of specific guided meditation that you're following or? Yeah, it's a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it's called like Stockholm meditation. Yeah. It's just like really sort of good people. Guide, it's not about like you, you're not like, they just guide you through this session basically. Mm-hmm. And you just take time off and yeah, you, you let your mind wander about bigger things. Mm-hmm. Anything that you feel like we, we should have talked about, but we didn't? Uh, not really. No, it's just been a really lovely talk. I mean, I really enjoy talking about these things. Uh, it's fun to think about just, you know, this um, whole sort of experience or this story of, you know, in like big picture. <laughs> so I uh, enjoy the, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Yotor. It was fun. And I think uh, it's amazing to bring this different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Quite often, or like at least my bubble, mm-hmm. it's a lot of the, startups that are trying to raise money like Mm. external capital they try to go into the exponential growth and um, just want to bring different perspectives so so that people will pause and reflect does that really feel like the way i want to go or is that the ego driving me there and maybe the real me Mm. actually wants something else in life and i do want to highlight stories like yours and 14 islands that it's possible to have a successful business that is thriving, that is doing some great work, bringing value to clients and society, and at the same time uh, keeps people who are working on it in balance, whatever that means for the four, <laughs> for you genius leaders. Uh, uh, that's something that you want you to focus on. How can I have both? Because life is about both and. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, yeah, we can, we can get there. Yeah. And genius leaders, as always, I want to remind you that I'm here for you. If you ever need me, I'm, I love you. I see you. I feel you. And I do believe that you can build the business that is aligned with you and your values, your priorities in life. So sit a bit this week and reflect on what are your priorities and then reflect on how aligned are you with that at the moment. Take care and talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honors conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.